Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. So good to be here. Good morning to those in the room, those watching online. Man, thank you guys for being with us through this pandemic season. Um, Now, what, seven months online, and we are just... uh, Two weeks away from being together as a church once again. We cannot wait. So make sure you register uh, for coming up October 18th. We are pumped. And I'm having a feeling that it's going to fill up. And we'll add services if we need to. Come on, somebody. Um, We're going to add services. So the production team in the back was like, what? (laughs) Uh, But hey, uh, wanted to update you because Sam didn't actually tell you, which is my bad on how much came in last week. So we actually have had, on top of the 7,500 that we already committed to give, we had another over $8,000 come in for Project Rescue. So that means this week we'll be delivering a check for almost $16,000. I think I'm just gonna round it up. What do you say, $16,000. And we're super excited to, to invest into this organization that is fighting human trafficking around the world. So if you haven't given, you can go give, and we'll throw in on top whatever you give today. So thank you guys for your faithfulness, your generosity. But we are in the middle of this Family Matters series. As you saw, last week Chrissy preached a powerful word. Come on, give it up for my wife on healthy relationships. And so I am continuing with Healthy Relationships Part 2. Last week was Healthy Relationships Part 1. Today, Healthy Relationships Part 2 If you have your Bibles, go to Ephesians 5, 15 through 21, and the title of my message today is Out of Pocket. Everybody say, Out of Pocket. So Chrissy talked to us about how to nurture life-giving relationships, and I, I came across a message, a series actually, from a pastor in Atlanta. His name is Andy Stanley, and it was a series called Guardrails, and I love the idea behind this series, and I want to share a couple things that he shared about guardrails. So first of all, guardrails are a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. You typically see them on bridges, medians, or curves. So you all have seen guardrails, right? As you're driving, uh, they protect us. They divide the road. They stop us from going into dangerous areas. And guardrails aren't in the area of danger themselves. But they're typically just a few feet away from the areas of danger. And a guardrail, I believe for us, is a standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. You see, we need guardrails in our lives. Because if we don't set guardrails or boundaries for our lives, then we can very easily stray into the danger area, can't we? And so what happens is sometimes people will push the limit... And I think the temptation as human beings is that we would live right on the edge. We would live on the edge financially. We would live on the edge morally. We live on the edge ethically. We live on the edge sexually. We live on the edge physically. We live on the edge relationally. And so we live on the edge of what is healthy. And if we don't establish like clear guardrails or boundaries we can very easily slip into the danger zone, into the dangerous areas. 
And I think we all can recognize that without healthy boundaries, we cannot have healthy relationships. Without healthy guardrails in our lives, we cannot have health in our lives. So the secret is we have to create standards. Everybody say standards. We have to create standards. Knowing that if we cross the lines, if we cross our standards, we will hurt ourselves and we will also hurt the people closest to us. Would you agree? We want these lines, these guardrails to be so ingrained in us, to be so clear that red flags go up anytime we begin to cross those lines. That alerts go up. That we begin to go, oh, something's wrong. The, the, the red light starts flashing in our hearts, in our minds. We want these lines to become seared into our conscience. And so I want to read from Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Before I do that, um, I was thinking about because, man, I, I read this series, and I'm like, man, that's a great idea for a series. But I was like, I want to modernize it a little more for us as a church. You see, for me, what popped in my head a, a, immediately was this phrase of out of pocket. You guys heard this phrase? So I looked it up in the Urban Dictionary, and the Urban Dictionary said this. When someone is wilding, acting or speaking out of line, that's the first definition. The second definition was to be out of control, way off base, usually deserving of a good slapping. And so I think that as we jump in here today, I want to talk to us about how, especially in this moment, I think a lot of Christians are out of pocket. Come on. Would you agree? I think it's very easy, not just in this season, not just in what we're walking through as a nation and politically right now, but I think it's easy just as human beings to get out of pocket. Like to get outside of the standards that we have for ourselves. And if you know anything about being in the pocket, um, this is actually like a term that we see in drumming. And our drummer just walked out the room, but Sam, you know, he's up here. And he's in the pocket. And if you know anything about music, like when you're in the pocket, it means you are in the groove. Like you are on beat. You are locked in. You're in the pocket. So that's a drumming term. We actually use this term when um, someone has to pay for something, often because of uh, maybe something went wrong with their house and there's an insurance claim. But it doesn't cover all of it, so then they got to come out of pocket to cover the rest of the expenses. And we know nobody wants to come out of pocket. And we don't want to be out of pocket as followers of Christ. We want to be in the pocket like my boy Sam was this morning. And so let's read Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. I want to set this up. Paul has just challenged um, the, the church in Ephesus here. And he's just basically called them out and, and challenged them in how they're living. And he said to them, like, look, you have to avoid all these sinful you know, lifestyles, these sinful ways of living in the church in Ephesus was getting pulled in to the culture and the world, and, and the church was messed up, just like we as the church are messed up. How many are thankful that God loves us even when we're messed up, that God accepts us even in our mess, even in our mistakes? And so Paul wasn't saying, we shun you, but he was saying there's a standard. And so I think that as we read this, and actually, I, I think I'm going to do a series, I don't know when, Chrissy, but I think I'm going to do a series here soon, and I think we should just call it Out of Pocket, 
And I'm going to give you, like, we're going to hit the eight things that Paul hits in this little section of Scripture of Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. But I think I'm going to turn it into an eight-week series and hit each one one week. We may do that in the future. You guys down with that? Uh, but today I'm going to give us a synopsis to challenge us to stay in the pocket. So let's read Ephesians 5. I'm beginning in verse number 15. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not, at, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Such a good word, debauchery. Some of you were in debauchery last night. But be filled with the Spirit. <laughs> but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, speak to us from your word. I pray that you would encourage us with, the, with it. You would challenge us with it. God, and we would leave here different than we came in. God, whether online or in person. We ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So I got a box here with me today. And uh, this box basically says, if you can't read it online, it says, out of pocket or in pocket. Can you guys read that? If you're online, you can read it. Throw me, uh, give me an emoji in the chat, all right? Let me know. Say yes. Give me some thumbs up, some praise hands. So I was thinking about it because Paul kind of walks through all these things we need to do as followers of Christ. And he starts with, he says, first is careful living. And so I was thinking like how we're walking. And that's kind of the word that's used. So I brought a shoe with me. All right, this is a brand new shoe. I've actually never worn it. I got it at Marshall's for $20. Some Adidas basketball shoes, come on. So how you walk matters. He goes on, he says, wisdom in all decisions. So I was thinking about money, credit cards, right, your wallet. And I, I lost my wallet. My wife's going to give me her wallet. She took my car this morning, and so there we go. So we got some money. We got some Credit cards, she has like $3. Uh, some credit cards, we won't show you the front of it because our, our cameras are too high def. You might steal that card number. So we got the wallet in there. We go on, right, and he says, maximizing your time. So I actually uh, stole my, my son's alarm clock this morning and brought it. So we got the clock, the time. He goes on from there and verse 17 he says, you got to know God's will. Well, well, what's the best way to know God's will, in my opinion? i got all kinds of goodies in here. Is this is how we truly know God's will. You can pray. You can hear like, feel like the Lord has spoken to you, heard his voice. But if it doesn't align with this, then how can you really know God's will? So we got the word for, for God's will. He goes on, he says, you need to make spirit-led decisions. And he actually contrasts that. He says, don't be drunk with wine, but be you know, filled with the Spirit. And some translations actually say, be drunk with the Spirit. So I was thinking about like, man, what are we drinking? So I brought some tea. 
from black tea. Some of y'all, you know, love coffee. If you love coffee, make some noise in the house, online, throw an emoji. What are you drinking? What are you filling your life with? He goes on, he says, you got to prioritize worship. And so I, I have my, my uh, headphones in here. I thought I did. Hold on. I got too much stuff. Got my headphones in here. I love my AirPods, all right? So I got my AirPods. What am I listening to? That's the real question. Oh, they just made the noise that they're on. So, you know, some of you prioritize worship. You got worship in your headphones. Some of you just listen to Drake all day long. So I don't know what you're listening to, but it matters. He goes on. He says, practice Thanksgiving. And so I, I do something. I actually journal, like, things that I'm thankful for. So I brought one of my little journals here because I open it up. I try to regularly, you know, write in what I'm thankful for. Paul, Paul walks through all these things, and I was thinking about it for us, and I was thinking about, like, how do we not be out of pocket as God's people? And I think Paul actually gave us such a great example here. He's like, if you just do these things, you will stay in pocket. You'll stay in the pocket. You'll, you'll keep the boundaries, the guardrails in place for your life. So he starts, he says, first, it's careful living. Now, this word here, if you look at verse number 15, he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. And some translations take this word live, and it's actually the Greek word for walk. I don't know if you've ever gone on a hike. Uh, I, I'm not a big hiker, but I have been on hikes. In fact, a few years back, I was on a missions trip to Alaska, and I was a youth pastor at the time, and the students had this great idea. They said, Caleb, let's go up to the top of this hill, and let's run down this hill as fast as we can. I was like, oh, sounds like a great idea. It was a steep hill. We're in Alaska. It's a beautiful country. So I run up to the top of the hill with them. We turn, and we go to run down. And I notice that the whole hill is just rocks, like small rocks, big rocks, like larger boulders, like all different sizes. And as a, a basketball player who's had ankle issues his whole life, I'm looking at this hill going, this is an ankle roll just waiting to happen. Now, if you've ever been on a hike, you know that on the way down, you have to be very careful about where you place your foot every step. Because one wrong step on the way down means a wipeout, you know, for, for much distance and through much pain. On the way up, you can wipe out, and it's no big deal because of gravity and how your position and the speed, like, you're fine. You slip, and you just get back up on a hike. But on the way down, I mean, it's every step you're keeping an eye on, aren't you? Every step. You won't place your foot without looking where your foot is going first. And so I'm with these students. They're like, let's run full speed. We start sprinting down this hill, and, of course, I step on a rock. My ankle goes. I wipe out. I slide down the rocks. Not a great experience. But I think about it for us, this idea of careful living. I think so many of us are walking through life, and Paul said, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And I think so many of us are walking through life, and we've just thrown caution to the wind. We shout out YOLO every chance we get, and we have no boundaries. We're not careful about where we place each foot. And as a result, we step and hurt ourselves regularly. But in this life, it's not just you that gets hurt often. You have impact the people around you, as we talked about earlier. 
So when you aren't being careful in your walking, in your living, in how you're approaching this life, if you're not approaching it with wisdom, you can damage your life and you can damage the lives of those around you as well. So Paul says, be careful in how you live. He goes on, second, he says, be wise in all decisions. Wisdom is different and better than right or wrong. You see, the wisdom question always brings clarity. And I heard wisdom defined in this way. It says this, in light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? I want to say that again because some of you need to soak this up. In light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? The problem is we only think about the moment. And so when Paul says, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, what he's saying is you have to think about what's happened in the past. You've got to think about your, your current situation, but you also have to think about your future, your hopes, your dreams, because decisions you make right now may not be setting you up for the future that you had in mind for your life. And so we have to approach the decisions of our lives with wisdom. I think that there's a lot of people right now that are going, oh, I'm stuck at home in a pandemic. I'm going to update my house. You all have been there, right? The problem is not everyone has the money to update their house. But they say, I got this thing. It's called a credit card. I'm just going to charge it. I'm just going to run it. Some of you are like that. You just run it, run it, run it. But there's a problem in that, isn't there? There's a problem because this isn't setting you up for your future hopes and dreams. Be wise in all things, how you live, how you act, what you say. He goes on, he says, maximizing the time. He says, make the best use of the time because the days are evil. How many would agree that the days are evil, it feels like right now around us? We have to maximize the time that's been given to us. There's a great philosopher that once said, you only get one shot. His name's Eminem. No, I'm just like... But it's a good point. We do only get one life. One life here on this earth. Now, that doesn't mean we have eternity in the future. But right now, and I'll be honest, I'm closing in on 40. I just hit 39, if you guys didn't know, uh, this last month. And I'm doing a lot of introspection right now. Like a lot of introspective, um, you know, pondering of my life and what I've done to this point. And I'm really thinking a lot about what I've done, what I've accomplished, and what I want to do. I think sometimes age will do that. And I'm really starting to wonder, and I'm starting to think like, man, have I maximized my time? And I'll be honest, I can say in certain instances, yes, unequivocally, yes, I have maximized my time. But there are other things in my life I say no. I've even been convicted more lately, like, are you, are you watching a little too much TV? Are you, is this the best use of your time? I want to maximize what I've been given. 
maximize your time. We had a, a sleepover on Friday night. Uh, my son turned nine. He wanted to have a few of his buddies over. And so we had a sleepover. We had uh, like six little boys at our house. And I realized around 2.30 a.m. that these boys had no intention of going to sleep. And I, I went to them. I said, guys, like, we really need to sleep. Like, I really need you to go to sleep. I need to sleep, first of all. But also, you need to sleep. And they're like, but we don't get to do this hardly ever. And I mean, how do I get mad at that? Like, my boys have hardly had any sleepovers in their life. And here they're having a party. And what I saw was a group of six boys that were like, we are going to maximize this opportunity. We only get one shot at this. And so at 4 a.m., they finally fell asleep. Thank you, Jesus. Sorry to the parents. But, man, I was actually inspired by that. They're like, we don't get to do this hardly ever. We're going to stay up all night if we can. And, man, I'm inspired by that because I think so many of us are walking through life and we're just playing it safe. I'm not saying don't be wise, but I'm saying maximize the time you've been given. And I wonder what God could do with us if we said to him, God, I want to make the most of what you've given me. I want to maximize the gifts that you've given me. I want to take everything I got and pour it all in to the call you put on my life. What more could we accomplish? I need a, we need to live our lives like these nine-year-old boys. Next, Paul goes on and he says, you got to know God's will. He continues here in verse 17 when he says, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And I think this is one of the hardest things things to figure out what is God's will for my life this is probably the number one question Chrissy and I get as pastors is Caleb how do I know God's will and I always tell them to go back to his word his will is found in his word and if you have an idea for your life and it doesn't align with this then it's not his will but one thing I said to our church probably for five years now I've, I've said this over and over. I'm going to say it again. Some of you have heard it so many times. I've always said to our church, doing God's will is simply doing the next right thing. Simply do the next right thing. I think some of us make it too complicated and too convoluted. And we're going, I don't know what God's will is for my life. Listen, you don't maybe have to know what 10 steps down the road looks like. But you can know that the right step is right in front of you, and I'm going to take that next step. I'm going to do the next right thing. I'm going to do that because it's obedience to my God. So you want to know God's will for your life? Do the next right thing. You want to align and figure out what is God's will for my future? Pray, ask, seek, and make sure it aligns with his word. See, all these things Paul's teaching them. He's like, listen, I want you to stay in pocket. And this world needs the church in pocket, doesn't it? And right now, I think the church is a bit out of pocket. And I'll be honest that, that politics can do that to us. I'll be honest that this season can do that to us. I'll be honest, like, uh, uh, the, the debate that we saw could do that to us. I mean, I was heartbroken. I'm watching this thing. I'm like, these are like 
Uh, this is a 73-year-old and a 77-year-old man, 73, 77-year-old grandfather, grandfathers. These aren't like young, immature children. These are grandfathers. And I'm going, this is what our culture has digressed to. And, and some of us want to blame them. And I think we all need to stop and look in the mirror and say, maybe they're the result of us and where we've landed as a people. It's easy to blame and say, look at these horrible. This is us. This is us, church. This is our nation. This is who we've become as a people. And so I think right now we got to look internally and say, man, I just need to do God's will. We, don't, we can't control an election. We can't control uh, political leaders. But we can control all our decisions, our choices. And if God's people say, I'm going to do the next right thing, that may mean not posting. That may mean, you know, not having that conversation. It may mean having that conversation. If I'm going to do the next right thing, I'm going to stay in pocket. And if the church is in pocket, I believe hope will begin to spread in this world. Paul goes on, he says, spirit-led decisions. He says, you got to make spirit-led decisions. And I love that he always equates wine and drunkenness with the spirit. Because you have to understand that in this day, in this culture, drunkenness was a regular occurrence. Water was not clean in this day. And so they did not drink water regularly like we do. We have filtered, bottled, I mean, look at this, bottled water, we... We can drink water and be healthy. In this day, wine, because of the properties in it, they would not get sick. But if they drank a lot of their water, they would become sick. And so wine was something that they drunk regularly. And what does Paul say to them? Here, he goes on, he says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, that word that we love, but be filled with the Spirit. And Paul often contrasts being filled with the Spirit or drunk with the Spirit with being filled with or, or drunk with wine. Now, I want to challenge us. I don't believe alcohol is wrong. I don't believe it's a sin. Biblically, it says that getting drunk is a sin. Drunkenness is a sin. But I do think in this culture, there's a temptation to get pulled into drunkenness. That's why I said some of you were in debauchery last night. Because it's easy we just have one, then one more, and then one more, and before we know it, we're not in a right state of mind. Paul is saying, be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit wants to lead our lives. The Holy Spirit keeps us in pocket. Wine doesn't. You may feel warm. But the Holy Spirit will lead us. He'll keep us in pocket. And listen, when you are filled with the Spirit, there isn't room for anything else. Church, when you are filled with the Spirit, there's no room for the perspectives of this world. There's no room for the anger or hate in this world. There's no room for, for a divisive spirit that this world carries. No, when you're filled with the Spirit, there's no room for the wrong things of this world to fill you up. And unfortunately, we've allowed the stuff of this world, even our flesh, to fill us up instead of the Spirit of God to fill us. You see, the Spirit leads you to make the right decisions that you want to make. The Spirit is the best way to stay in pocket. 
So I shall probably land here a little longer and just hit it a little harder. Keep asking God, may your spirit inhabit me. May your spirit fill me. May I be led by your spirit every day, every decision, every attitude. I want your spirit from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, leading and guiding my life. Paul goes on, he says, there's a prioritization of worship. And I love this. He says, address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. You see, I think that we probably don't teach on worship enough in the church. We do it a lot, but we don't teach on it. Like we, we do it every week, but we don't teach people on the importance of it. We don't teach people the power of it. We don't teach people that this is a biblical command. And so I got men in the church, and, and they'll come to me and say, Caleb, I, I, I show up late on purpose. I'm like, why? Because that singing stuff, man, that's, that's soft. That singing stuff, man, that's, that's weak. I, I don't do that singing stuff. Like, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I just don't do that. Like, I like to be taught, and I'll learn in my mind. And, and I've challenged them. I said, look. This is a biblical command. It doesn't say sing on key spiritual songs. It just says sing to the Lord. It says make melody. And, and you may be even a little off melody, but God accepts that. He says address one another in songs, hymns, spiritual songs. Make a melody to the Lord. I think sometimes we forget we come in here, we're not putting on a show, we're giving praise to the Lord. We come in here and we forget, like, this isn't so we all have goosebumps. Because sometimes people, and I've had people come to me and be like, Kayla, I'm just not feeling worship lately, like, y'all need to work on it. I'm like, hey, we're, we're getting better, we're working on it. But at the end of the day, this isn't for you. And sometimes the church comes in, we make it about us, and God's saying, no, no, this is about me. We call it service because we come in here not to be served, but to serve. We're serving God with what we're bringing here. We're worshiping God. So worship, it may not always be perfect. We know it wasn't perfect today, but it's not for us. It's for him. I don't know what Chrissy said, but everyone's laughing. Thanks for interrupting my message. So, man, what do you got in your headphones? I put them on earlier. What are you listening to? What have you prioritized? Because it's interesting to me that worship and singing is included here because it denotes the power of worship. You see, worship postures us differently. It's a posture of the heart. And so sometimes we forget that by coming in here and singing and praising that it's humbling us before a big God, and when we're humbled, our hearts are open to receive what it is that God wants to teach us. So that's why I tell people, come in, be on time, worship. Come in, be on time, lift your voices. Come in, be on time, raise your hands. Why? Because what you're doing is you're humbling yourself. If you walk in here prideful, then when I get up here to teach the word, you're going to push back on it. You say, oh, I'm good. I got this thing figured out. Like, oh, I know somebody that could hear that. No, no, God's talking to you. Some of you online are already thinking, this message is for so No, God wants this message to be for you. He's saying, it's not them that's out of pocket. I mean, they probably are too, but so are you. 
I'm talking to you to get in pocket. And so I think that we forget that worship, it humbles us, it postures us in a position that says, God, you're bigger than me, you're greater than me, I don't know it all, I need to change, I need to learn, I need to grow. We at Project Church are people in progress, and I want you to do something in me today. Worship puts us in that place. Because let me tell you, your perspective is not perfect. And God wants to continually change our perspectives. My wife will challenge me regularly because I, I think I know it all. Anybody think they know it all? Come on, just be real. Only a couple of you. Okay, I'm the most prideful one in the room. Um, that's good. I think I got it all figured out. And so I'll be going on some rant, and then my wife will be like, you're wrong. I'm like, what? How dare you? Like, I know. My perspective is locked in. She's like, no, no, what about this? this? I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> But, like, I can receive that from my wife, but I think perspectives are being challenged online right now. It's hard to receive. That's why we need to worship, posture ourselves humbly, because then God says, I can mold something that's soft. You know what happens to something that's hard? It breaks. And I think some of us, um, maybe we need to be broken in this place because there's nothing that can soften us. But let me tell you, it's much easier to be a moldable, malleable, soft heart and thing because God can shape that and it's l much less painful. If you stay hard, eventually he'll break you and rebuilding you is going to be tough. It's going to be hard. But if you say, God, no, humble me. I'm going to worship you. That moldable, malleable heart God can do something with it, and the change comes much easier. Next, Paul goes on. He says, you got to practice thanksgiving. Thanksgiving always and for everything to God in the name of Jesus. That's what he says. In the name of Jesus. So give thanks always and for everything. Wait a second. That's what Paul said. Giving thanks always for everything. You mean everything? How could I give thanks for everything, God? I mean, there's some bad things happening. I think this needs to be the theme of our life for 2020. Like, we all need to receive this right now in 2020. You want to be in pocket? Give thanks for everything. Be thankful for COVID. Why? Because God's doing something in this. Be thankful for fires. Because God's revealing something in this. Be thankful for an election because God is showing something broken in us. Be thankful for the president that we have. Why? Because it's revealed some things that we didn't know were there at the heart of our nation. Be thankful. There's always a silver lining. And I think that's what Paul is getting at. He's saying, look, I know this maybe isn't how you would have done it. It's not how you would have planned it. It's not how you would have wanted it. But I bring beauty from ashes. I bring, turn mourning into dancing. I bring things out of what seems to be destruction. I bring beauty. That's what God does. He works all things together for good for those who love him. So if you today say, you know what, I'm going to be thankful even for the bad stuff, even for the hard stuff. Why? Because God is doing something. Maybe he's setting you up to have impact in someone's life that's going to walk through the same thing you walk through. He's setting you up to encourage and love someone that is going to walk through the same painful situation you walk through. It's hard to see it in the moment, 
But Paul says, practice thanksgiving. Be thankful for everything. He says, give thanks always and for everything. Wait. I don't like that. How many don't like that? No, God, like, I don't like, you, you tell me, always and for everything? Always and for everything. How, what do I give thanks for? Always and for everything. So I got to be thankful for like a few things. No, everything. When? Always. Always for everything. Every day you have something to be thankful for. I, I don't think there's anything that can keep us in pocket better than a thankful heart. And the last thing Paul says to them, he says, submit to each other. Submitting to each other. And I was thinking about this because I submission, like well, I don't like that word. I don't like that idea. What does submission look like? What is submission as it relates to the church? And I asked my wife, I said, Chrissy, what do you think submission is? As I was preparing, I said, what do you think submission is for the church? Because it says submit. This is the last thing Paul says here. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Like, how do we as the church submit to each other? Because this is something I've never heard taught. I never heard it preached. Like, wait, I'm supposed to submit to one another? My brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't get it. And what my wife said, which as I dug into it, I think was so true, was listen. Seek understanding. Be in community. Be patient. Be open to feedback and correction. It all uh, shrinks down to humility. Be humble with one another. What does submission look like to one another? It's putting others ahead of yourselves. That's what it is. And this is what Jesus taught us. That we would love our neighbor as we love ourselves. That the body of Christ would be submitted to one another saying, I'm going to put others' needs ahead of my own. I'm going to love my brothers and sisters in Christ as if they are really my brother or my sister. Be in community. We have community groups launching this week, and I think some of you maybe haven't signed up. I would encourage you. I know a lot of them are online, and some of you are Zoomed out. But, man, we need to be in community as the church. Why? Because we help each other. Because some of you are like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get a lot out of this. Listen, maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's for the person that you're going to speak into. Sometimes we make community so much about me, and we forget that I bring something for them. I carry something that blesses. Maybe I won't feel the blessing that I thought I would feel, but maybe I'm being the blessing that I was meant to be. Submit to each other. So I got this box. And as you saw, we got out of pocket and in pocket. And here's the thing. I think that in our lives, this box is just that. It's one box. And there's really no dividers. And so if we don't stay rooted on the foundation of Christ, it's very easy to get off and, and guess what happens we can very easy the content start to shift and before you know it we're out of pocket 
But when we root ourselves on God, things can shift back to where they need to be. How I many you know it's so easy to just slide out of pocket? It just takes one bad decision, one misstep, one compromise. One, ah, that boundary's there, but it's not that big of a deal. And before you know it, all the contents of your box are sliding out of pocket. You see, what I've found is if one thing gets out of pocket, it's very easy for everything to get out of pocket. But when you say, God, I want to I be in the pocket, and, I, and I, I start rooting myself on the firm foundation of Christ, things begin to shift back to where they need to be. And then I can walk out this Christian life the way I was meant to walk it out. So I challenge you today that you would follow the instructions of Paul here. That you would say, I want healthy relationships. And healthy relationships have to start with me being a healthy person. You cannot have healthy relationships if you are not healthy. So I challenge you that today you say, I'm going to get in the pocket. I'm going to walk these things out of, of careful living, wisdom, maximizing my time, knowing God's will, being spirit-led, prioritizing worship, practicing thanksgiving, submitting to each other. If I begin to root myself on this, I can stay in the pocket that God's called me to be in. This church or this world needs the church in the pocket. They need us more than ever. And sometimes we forget the power that we carry. And I just want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. You have more power than you realize or recognize. You have more influence than you've ever maybe believed about yourself. When you walk in pocket, in step with the Lord, spirit-led, I'm telling you, you will change the atmosphere, the environments that you walk into. The church must be who God has called us to be. We are a city on a hill. We are a lighthouse. We are salt and light in this world. This time, this moment needs the church to be in pocket more than ever before. Because if we are, I believe we're going to come out of these next few weeks. We're going to come out of this season. And God's going to release a revival like never before. He's going to release an awakening. But only if we're where we need to be. So my challenge to us right now is we would get in the pocket of where God has called us to. Some of you have been out of pocket. You're, you know who you are. If you were honest with yourself. And God's saying, it's time to slide back. Let, stabilize yourself on me. Put yourself, put, put, prioritize the right things and get yourself back to where you need to be. Why? Because the world needs you. God has chosen you to be his hands and feet. Sometimes they think, oh, that's the pastor's job. Oh, that's the church's job. No, you are the church. You are Jesus' hands and feet. He chose you. He needs you. He's destined you. He's purposed you. He wants you. So let's walk in the pocket of who God's called us to be. Would you bow your heads with me across this place? Listen, if you're watching online or you're in the room, you don't know Jesus. I want to invite you to respond right now. You say, Caleb, I've never surrendered my heart to Jesus. I've never given my life to Jesus. You see, at the end of the day, Paul ends this whole thing. He says that we would submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Why? Because everything is rooted on Christ. Without Jesus and his grace, we couldn't be who he's called us to be. But maybe you're watching online, you're in the room, you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus. I want you to pray this prayer with me. 
The Bible tells us it's really simple. If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. So pray this with me. Everyone in the room, repeat this after after me right now. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I confess you are my Savior. You are my Lord. You died. You rose again. And today, I ask you to come into my life to make me new, to get me in the pocket of where you've called me. I love you, Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all those. If you're online, click the link below. We'd love to connect with you if you made this decision to follow Christ. We want to just follow up, help you in this faith journey. Listen, for us in the room, for us watching online, I want to challenge the rest of us. If you say, Caleb, if I was honest, I would say I'm probably a little out of pocket right now. And God needs to get me back in. I don't want to be out. I want to be in. If that's you today, I want to pray over you. And I want you to believe this in your heart. Receive this. That God would put you back in the pocket of where he's called you to be. So, Lord, right now I pray a releasing of any bondage, of any sin. God, of, any, of anything that's holding us back from being in where we need to be. God, if we're out of pocket right now, we, we confess it. God, we confess our brokenness. We confess our sin. We confess our drifting. But we ask you today to slide us back, to center us back, to bring us back into the pocket of where you've called us to be. God, we know we're more effective when we're there. We know we're more powerful when we're there. We know we're, we're more purposed when we're there. So God, bring us back. Slide us back. Let us be who you need us to be in this moment in this world, in this moment in this nation. God, we confess and we ask for you to touch us and bring us to where we need to be. May we set the boundaries in our life, the guardrails in our life, to protect us from drifting once again. Lord, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet if you're in the room? If you're online, sing this last song. This word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.